Thank you, Ali. Um, it's really nice to be with you. Can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 16? And uh, while you do there, I, I feel like I am your token southerner. I don't know if that's right. Uh, the pity invite. Um, it's really nice to be here. I do love the north. I'm married to a northerner, so we're a, we're a cross-cultural family. Uh, yeah. And uh, 16 years married, and we're still trying to understand each other. And where we... Um, no, she's from York, so she's posh north. Um, and uh, so I keep telling her, you keep banging on about the north, but you're not real northerners from what I understand. Like, if you're from York, you're like, yes, you're from the north, but it's like a little bit of a southern enclave. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm here with Kiki. She's never been this far north. On the train up, I pointed out to her blades of grass and cows and sheep. So that's what a sheep looks like. And um, anyway, we had a, a lovely journey up and uh, it's great to be with you. Um, my, my hope in these two sessions, apart from keeping to time, which feels like my biggest challenge right now, is to encourage us in what we're doing. And I think there are eight churches represented here um, to encourage you, uh, to strengthen you. And I just felt in worship... As, as we gathered, I would love to play a role in taking any pressure that you feel in building church off your shoulders. I just sensed that the Father's pleasure and his joy over us as we gathered. And if you're passionate about church, which I'm imagining if you've traveled here on a Saturday to be here, you are one of the passionate ones who want to see the kingdom of God extended, who want to see breakthrough, you want to see the church do well and flourish. If you feel that way, there can be moments where you do get sometimes burdened. Anyone know that feeling? You feel like there's so much to be done. There are so many voices to manage. There are so many things. There are breakthroughs that we want. There is tensions and pressures and things that we're hoping for. And it can sometimes feel like a lot of weight on our shoulders. And I was just reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 11. And he says, come to me, regions beyond. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. Isn't that good? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, his yoke is easy. And then Jesus says, and my burden is light. Why don't you turn to your other neighbor and say, his burden is light. I don't want to come and lay on a weight of pressure upon us. I would love just to take some pressure off us. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm praying and trusting the Holy Spirit will do some of that as we look at Matthew chapter 16. Amen. So have you got Matthew chapter 16 open? Do I get a yes? Okay, will you stand with me for the reading of God's word? And we're going to read Matthew 16 verse 13 to 24, I think. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptists, others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to, not, to, to tell no one that he was the Christ. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Father, we thank you for revealing the identity of Jesus Christ to us. What a wonderful privilege we have to see the glory of our Saviour. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would minister amongst us as we open your word. Would you speak? Would you encourage? May we have your spirit of revelation in our hearts and minds that we might see what you are doing with your church in this moment. And all God's people say together, Amen. Thank you. Do take a seat. So this first session, I want to... Look at this statement where Jesus says, I will build my church. And what is it that Jesus means when he says church? And in the second session, we're going to look at how. So Jesus says, I will build my church. And if you're a leader passionate about the church, it's one of those verses that probably gets your Pentecostal adrenaline going, right? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But what is Jesus talking about when he says church? He uses this word, which I'm sure many of you know, ecclesia, which if we were Anglicans, we would talk about ecclesiastical matters, but we're non-conformist charismatics, so we don't. But ecclesia talks about the church, which has a couple of different meanings. It literally means to be called out ones so that we used to be in the kingdom of darkness. We used to be under the rule and the reign of Satan and yet Jesus rescued us and called us out of the world, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ's glorious light. And so we find ourselves called out. We are separated. We are different. And it also has this sense of being a gathered, physically gathered, People with people, touchable, hearable, experiential body of people. 
It's in the day to be an ecclesia, you could go to a theatre and be an ecclesia. You could be at a political meeting and be an ecclesia. It was an assembly. It was a physical gathering of people together. And Jesus says, there are many ecclesias out there, but I am going to build my ecclesia. I am going to build my gathering. It is a physical gathering of people who choose to travel from Edinburgh and Northumberland and Hull and Chesterle Street to be together in a place because Christ is building something. We in the West, as I'm sure you're aware, are, are often, we're often trying to find ways of doing church without having to do church. And I think a few of us like really fantasized about it the early days of COVID. If you remember those first few weeks, I mean, for church leaders, there was a like a real flurry of excitement that we didn't have to wake up early on a Sunday morning. You could pre-record church, get up at 10.25, be on time, coffee, pyjamas. Like it all felt quite exciting. Anyone with me? Like for about a month. And then you begin to realize, like, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. But, but we're in this moment where we're, we're trying to find t- ways of doing church without, because we're in quite an, like, we don't really like authority as a culture, generally. You know, we don't like other people telling us what to do or organizing things on our behalf. And there's political abuses, church abuses, you know, and with the internet, every, every minutiae and scandal is now put in our face. So why would you ever trust a leader anyway? We're all about freedom and self-expression. So why would I be part of a, you know, I've got things to, all these people trying to set up their own websites and ministries and platforms and books because I want to express myself. I need to do my thing. And if I become part of a church, do I lose my, myself? And we, we feel that and we have podcasts now. So, I mean, you can listen to your favorite preacher on the way to work and on the way back. You can have Elevation Worship or Bethel or whatever your cup of tea is. And like, you can do church without doing church, right? And, and there are some who kind of want to kind of blame the church for the spiritual state of the nation now. You know, why? Well, if the church had been this over the last few decades and if the church had done this and... I personally don't think we should blame the church for the spiritual state of the nation. Sure, the church is not blameless. But I think blaming the church is is a bit like blaming a small crab in a rock pool that the tide just went out. I, I I I know there's things we need to grow in. There are areas of repentance. But it's not the church's fault. There is a narrow path to walk, and many are choosing to walk on a wide path at the moment. And we, as Jesus' church, just so happen to find ourselves in a time where the tide is spiritually going out in our nation. It doesn't mean that anything fundamentally is wrong with how we have been doing church. Jesus has just called us to this season and to this time to be faithful as a remnant in this moment. So we don't freak out. We don't worry. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and think we've got to reinvent everything because look what's going on. People are trying, trying to maybe there's ways of doing. Maybe the physical gathering is not it, but Jesus says, "I will build my ecclesia, my gathered people together." This is what He is doing. I live uh, not far from the 
the embassy of the United States of America. Has anyone seen a picture or walked by it in Battersea? This crazy cube-looking thing. Donald Trump did not like this new embassy of the, the Americans, so much so that when he was the president, he should have like cut the ribbon and he chose not to. He was in London. He didn't take the mile trip to go to his own embassy. That was how much he disliked it. Anyway, that's a buy, the buy. But in this embassy, right, there's this huge American flag, as only Americans. Any other embassy is like a moderate-sized flag. Americans, they've got this really big flag, because my apologies if you're American here. Everything's just big, shiny. You get the picture. And um, in this embassy, I mean, you, you're kind of cycling through London, you're doing your thing, and then there is this plot of land in this embassy the United States of America, with a flag outside. And if you were allowed through those doors and the security guys with their guns let you through, you would be not on the soil of the United Kingdom anymore. You would be on the soil of the United States of America. And when you walked in to that embassy, you would experience what I'm assuming, I've never been in, American accents. They would all talk differently. I'm tempted to say funny, but it's not like the right thing to say. Talk differently. We're inclusive and extra. Americans, it's just feel so easy to bash. Um, <laughs> any other nation, but they just feel like fair game. I don't know. I don't know why. It's not even true. And I should move on. But I am all imagine them to be eating donuts and drinking coffee and stuff like that. I don't know. You would encounter American culture. Because there, there is an extension of the United States of America in our land. In a foreign land, the United States have their own embassy here. An outpost of the United States of America. And when Jesus says, I'm building my church, what he's saying is, there is a kingdom in heaven that we cannot see right now. And I am creating embassies here on earth in a foreign land under the control of Satan and I am going to create embassies by which you are going to be outposts of my kingdom. In this place you are going to exhibit kingdom life. You are going to demonstrate the kingdom of the light. You are going to be my called out ones so that when people come amongst you they are going to experience something of my kingdom. Jesus says this in just when he promises, I'm going to build my church. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven to Peter. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We're going to get onto these keys in just a moment. But this thing, there is this heavenly realm and there is an earthly realm. And we right now find ourselves in a foreign and dark land. And in the midst of this enemy territory, he is creating outposts. Eight regions beyond outposts at the moment in the north with hundreds of others that what happens in heaven might be represented here on earth. It's a, it's a glorious calling and it's a physical calling. It's a together calling. It's something that happens when a person meets a person. And I want to say three things about these embassies that we represent these ecclesias that we represent across the north in the United Kingdom. The first thing is this. What do these embassies do? They host the presence of Jesus. If you turn to chapter 18, just for a moment, Jesus talks about the church twice in the Gospel of Matthew, which some of you will know. And in the second time that he talks about this, the church, in verse 20 of chapter 18... At the end of this teaching, he says, For where two or three 
are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Isn't that wonderful? Now, confession time. If you've ever led a prayer meeting, have you ever ever used this as a get-out-of-jail-free card for a poorly attended prayer meeting? Anyone? Yep. Guilty? Guilty. It's all right, guys, because Jesus said, we only need two or three. So it's okay. This is still a legit prayer meeting in Christ's eyes. You naughty, naughty people. It's a misuse of what Jesus isn't giving you like the lowest common denominator. If things are going really badly at church, like I'll give you a get out of jail free verse just to like make everyone feel okay that things are still on track. He is promising that almighty God will be with his people when they gather in his name. Where people come together are what he's saying. Where we Here, I will rest, I will be, I will dwell, I will bless, I will speak in those moments. And we've now experienced that, haven't we? Because we've we've gone through this experiment of doing church without doing church through COVID. And I think the testimony of most people is that we came off the back of that kind of YouTube experience of church. Not better, but worse. I had this like strange feeling of... Like throughout COVID, I stayed walking with Jesus. I kept doing the things that I normally did. And we were doing church to the best of what we could do with online stuff. And But after like the 18 months or whatever it was, I just had this weird feeling that I know Jesus and I love him and I worship him and I'm thankful to him. But I had this like strange feeling that I also kind of missed him. Like, I know you're there, but I still have this sense of like, I've just missed being with you. I don't know if you've felt that. And it's like this intangible sense of like, some, I've lost something about my relationship with you. I, I think that experience that many of us felt was because we had not been gathered physically. That Christ embodies you, your body by the Spirit, and he embodies me through the Spirit. And when we come together, we encounter Christ in each other that we cannot replicate on podcasts or YouTube or Zoom. We need one another. And as we gather together, what happens is when the the presence of Christ comes amongst us, our called outness, our ecclesia becomes increasingly real. It is always real, legally real. We are the called out ones. But when we gather together, there is a reality that also comes. It's a bit like a football team. I mean, I, I hear that Joel supports Blackburn. God bless him. And um, well, I hear they're going to be in Premier League maybe next year. Uh, but take Blackburn for an example, because Chelsea is a terrible example to use at the moment. Each, each of those Blackburn players... Like, they are Blackburn players. Whenever they go off, like, I don't know, during the week, see their families, eat their meals, go off, play FIFA when they're not training, I don't know. But when they gather together, there is a dynamic that happens where they are team. There is a power that happens beyond just the individuals. They're always Blackburn players, but when they come together, then the reality of the thing kicks in. We're always Christians, You go to your workplace, you're the only person there. But when we gather together, something powerful happens in that geographical place. Moses, when he was working as a shepherd 
you know the story, he came across a bush that was on fire, which apparently does sometimes happen in desert wildernesses. But this fire was slightly different because this bush was on fire and yet the bush was remaining like the bush. And it was just this burning fiery furnace that was there and it attracted Moses. So he came to see this bush and God speaks from the bush and tells Moses, take your sandals off because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And I mean, if you're in that moment, you would be an emotional like whirlwind of like what on earth is happening. But for us reading the story, I'm thinking, how is it that these like bits of sand and dirt and pebbles and rocks, how do they become holy and why like 20 meters into the desert that's not holy but these grains of sand how can a grain of sand that has not had a chance to sin or be redeemed or anything like that be holy the reason why it's holy is because God is there God has sanctified this place and this sand and this wilderness place is now holy and set apart because God is there And so when we gather together, it is not just any, it's not like podcasts and worship music online, but live. It is a sanctification of this place where we meet. As Alan said, a building is just a building, but actually a building becomes holy ground where we gather together as the ecclesia and Christ rests with us. One writer said this, he said, viewed in the context of the Old Testament, the idea of sacred space, this statement that Jesus makes means that wherever believers gather, the spiritual ground they occupy is sanctified amid the powers of darkness. And Christ is with us in these ecclesias and we need him. Amen. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, an invisible kingdom becomes visible. Heaven the heavenly realms. We know they're there. We see them by faith. We see with the eyes of our heart, the glory of Christ. And yet to fleshy carnal eyes, it is invisible. And Christ calls us to make the invisible kingdom visible here on earth. That light might shine from this place out into the kingdom of darkness. That the communities around us might see a visible expression of the invisible kingdom. What does it look like and feel like to be part of the kingdom of God? And church is there to make it visible. You're a light set on a hill, Jesus says, doesn't he? To display the light and the culture and the ways of Christ to the, the communities around us. When the, when the Spirit came at Pentecost, this prophecy given by Joel was fulfilled and the heavens opened and the Spirit came. What happened with all these spiritual believers? They didn't at that point think, I've had this amazing encounter with God. I'm now going to go off and set up my own ministry and a website and write books about my spiritual encounter with God and seven steps to to get there. And I'm going to blog about my personal journey. There's nothing wrong with blogs. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. What happened when the Spirit came? They rushed towards each other with this fixed conviction that this is a calling to be together. Sometimes it feels like the more spiritual you get, the more isolated you get. In Acts, what seems to happen is the more the Spirit comes, the more they gather together. 
the more they are committed to one another through thick or through thin. The more they are willing to take up their cross, forget self-expression. I'm giving myself to this body and I'm going to serve this community. They come together. And in this way, the church become visible to the communities around them. People began to pay attention to what was happening. It's one of the moments where we hear of stories of governments in nations that don't like the Christian church and moments where they do audits of what's happening. They see churches popping up, visible expressions of the kingdom of God, which sometimes then ensues lockdowns and persecutions. But it's a physical expression. There is a gathered community here which freaks out the powers of darkness. And we're told in Ephesians 3 that churches, they display the the invisible kingdom here on earth, not just to the communities, but to the heavenly places. This amazing display of God's wisdom. The Paul says, when I preach the gospel, churches form and these churches display the wisdom of God to the heavenly places. It's amazing. And it makes the invisible kingdom visible to us. That when we gather together in an event like this, meeting and seeing faces and praying, I'm like, Christ is alive. He's real, amen? You go through your week and you kind of can have this sense of being isolated and alone like Elijah. You're like, am I the only one who really cares about the kingdom? God's like, there's quite a few thousand others, actually. And every Sunday we have a chance to gather with our brothers and sisters and be reminded that Christ is alive and his kingdom is real and Jesus is building his church. Amen. I was reading this in Psalm 119 um, in my devotional times and I just came across this this week and he said, those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. That's amazing. So I see another Christian and I rejoice because I see how you are hoping in God's word. You had that experience at church? You're feeling like this, kind of like just bubbling along spiritually. There's nothing bad going on, but there's nothing good going on. It's just like, I'm just with Christ. And then you get to church and you, the corner of your eye, you catch someone and how they're hoping in Christ. And you might know something of their situation and it causes joy to rise in your heart. The invisible kingdom is suddenly made visible. At Trinity Church London, we have two girls, daughters who, um, of one of our families and they worship and she's like nine and the other's six and they worship with their hands held. They, they dance and they sing and I love it. Excuse me. And, uh, when I see them worshipping, my heart is thrilled. And I'm reminded there is a kingdom out there that I'm a part of. I walk in a land of darkness, but I belong to a kingdom of light. Amen? Amen. And the third thing is this. We don't just make the kingdom visible. Through our churches, we declare the salvation and the rule and reign of Jesus Christ over all things. Because we live in a land of darkness... And we've been given the authority in this embassy in a foreign land to be an outpost of the kingdom of heaven. This is what I think Jesus is getting at when he gives these keys to Peter. It's a strange one to us anyway. I don't think it was strange to Peter. He says, I will give you the keys 
of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's this idea that Jesus is the owner of everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And yet Jesus, as the owner of all things, gives us the keys to his house here on earth. And we, his tenants, his stewards, are given the keys to steward the kingdom here on earth. And when Jesus talks about binding or loosing, probably what he was talking about was this idea of either like permitting things to happen or forbidding things to happen. Like sanctioning the ways of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That it's not that heaven jumps to what we want to do, but we reflect the invisible kingdom here on earth and we say, yes, this is the kingdom and no, this is not the kingdom. And we are called to steward that in our churches so that our churches become these beacons that in the outposts of the, uh, of the kingdom of heaven, we display the culture and the ways and the doctrines of the kingdom. So the first thing I think is two things. I mean, is, is firstly the, the preaching is the teaching of the, the king because all of this comes off the back of Peter confessing Christ, realizing who he is. And Jesus says, the father has given you this revelation off the back of this confession, Peter. Now you know the truth. I'm going to give you the keys to sanction what is truth, what is correct doctrine, what is incorrect doctrine, what is true about me and my kingdom and what is not true about me and my kingdom. Paul says later, guard the good deposit. Amen. This is, this is a responsibility of church leaders to say, this is Christ. This is who he is. And these are his ways, which is becoming increasingly important and increasingly difficult in our moment. But it is essential that we pass on the ways of Christ to our children so that they have something to inherit. There is a way in which we need to say yes and we need to say no to some of the teaching as a church. Amen. And the second thing is this, the way in which we steward these keys is by actually cultivating the behavior and the lifestyle of the church. So if you turn back to me to Matthew 18, this one other place where Jesus talks about the church. Jesus just says this, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the ecclesia, the visible body of the invisible kingdom. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, and now this is saying to the church, this is a responsibility for all all of us. Let me just be careful for a second. Not to nitpick. I didn't like the way she raised her eyebrow at me. I'm going to take it to the church. No, we're talking about sin that is leaven that harms the body, just to be clear, before we all go around doing a Matthew 18 on one another. This is given to all of us to cultivate the ways of the kingdom in our midst. Amen. She says, truly I say to you, plural, Whatever you, church, bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you, church, loose on earth 
shall be loosed in heaven. He's saying the responsibility is given. There is the beauty and the glory of heaven and we are to reflect that in how we do life with one another. Where the world is selfish, we are to be those who self-sacrifice for one another in such a way that people wonder, why is it that you love one another like this? When others are barking off and gossiping, you say, I'm not involved in that. I'm involved in loving others with my words, with my attitudes, with my heart and my emotions. I will speak well of others. We move towards each other with this radical love so that others say, what is this that you are a part of? Because we're an outpost of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So we put all this together. God is calling us to be visible, physical, touchable, hearable expressions of the kingdom that declare the light of Christ. The psalmist says in Psalm 50, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. And this is us as his church. Um, Has anyone seen the the TV series Band of Brothers? Anyone? I don't know if it's a really blokey thing or not. A few few of them. It's an amazing, I'm not sure if I can watch it. But if you watch it, you get to the end of it and you're an absolute emotional wreck. And every time you hear the music, if you've watched it, you're like, no, 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 turn it off. I, I need to work right now. I can't, I can't lose an hour of my life to blubbing. Um, it's an amazing story of a real story of uh, this division of paratroopers towards the end of the Second World War, this American division, working their way through and to the end of the war and the end of the war. And it follows them through to real life. And um, some of them are still alive today. But there is this moment in the middle of the series where a lieutenant tells Major Winters that there is this German division coming. And he tells them, and to Major Winters, it looks like you're going to be surrounded. And cool as a cucumber, Major Winters turns and says to him, we're paratroopers, Lieutenant. We're supposed to be surrounded. We're the church. And it feels dark right now. We're the church regions beyond. We're meant to be in the kingdom of darkness. We're meant to be where the battle is. We're meant to be in a place where it's difficult. We're meant to be where Satan prowls around seeking those to devour. That's where Christ has called us. We are the ecclesia. We are called into foreign land, into enemy territory. And here we live. And while we have Christ, we will fight with him and for him and for his glory. Amen. With the Ecclesia. And the second session, what we're going to do is look at how. But I just want to stop and just ask us to pause for a moment and just take a breath. You might want to close your eyes. And just, I would love you to reflect on your own church. Just think about the people, the place. And as you think on your church, hear these words of Jesus. I will build my church. I, from heaven, the one who sits on his throne, he says, I will build my church. He is amongst us. 
and it's his visible ecclesia that he's building. Father, thank you for revealing the identity of your son to us. Thank you for calling us into this expression of your kingdom. And Father, would you encourage us, speak to us. May our eyes be opened with a spirit of revelation to see the body of Christ as expressed here in Durham and Harland, Northumberland and Edinburgh and all the other churches represented. Lift our gaze to heaven, we ask. And may your light shine from Zion, the beauty of perfection, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.